think you need to like map out that story sometimes. Like you can't just get from point A to point B, whatever that is in one shot. You need to have obstacles, you need to have highs and lows, and that's hard to do in like a 30 second TikTok. You need to have that. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Sticks and Stones podcast. My name is Stone Fredrickson, the host of the show where I like to sit down and explore the different minds and lifestyles of very successful entrepreneurs, investors, and content creators to try to provide you and I with as much valuable information as possible so that way we can all succeed in life. And today, I got a really special guest I'm sitting down with, Jacob Kelly. Uh, He's a phenomenal uh, podcaster, uh, just overall person in the the marketing space. He's had a, a ton of experience from working with uh, hockey teams, from uh, being his own podcaster, creator uh, on TikTok, on just like every social media platform, to now uh, really running the marketing side of of major big companies. And uh, I'm just super excited to get into this episode for you guys to tune in, to listen to his story, uh, some of his pieces of advice when it comes to social media, marketing, TikTok, podcasting, uh, making money. And we go over his view on money, investing, how he handles money. And this is just one of my favorite episodes. Jacob is a, is a really uh, nice guy. He's, 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 he's badass. So I can't wait for you guys to, to tune into this one. Stick around for the entire episode to gain all of the value that we unpack in this episode. And you'll thank me later. Uh, so thank you guys so much for tuning in. Be sure to leave us a review, subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, share it to just one person. That's all I'm asking. Just share it to one person. Share it to your aunt, your grandma, your uh, your dad, your mom, uh, your cousins, your brother, your sister, anyone. Just share it to one person that got to you. Let's impact some more people with this value that we uncover in this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. So what's up, man? How you been? Good, dude. Busy, but but doing well. Yeah, what you been what you been busy with? I know you got I got the podcast. I, I see you you got this uh, surf thing going on. Or fill me in, fill me in. Yeah, yeah. So I just moved to Toronto like a month ago, much over a month ago. Um, so moved to Toronto and then did that. Started a new show, which is why I was in LA at VidCon. Um, just announced today, I'm stopping my original show. Got it. Um, so I was like, after I was like four years, I stopped it. Um, just wild stats done as of today. And then, yeah, working as head of social for surf right now. And then, um, yeah, work on the new show with, with creator now. Dude. So sick. I, um, um, I, I first just want to talk about kind of your, 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 uh, the, the my social life podcast because that um i'm very curious about and how you got in the podcasting space but also the creative space um and how how you thought of talk uh going about it because it was very interesting it's not like a lot of other podcasts where they're they're you know i feel like trying to come off as the expert or trying to trying to be someone that they're not versus mm-hmm. you being like just curious and like um, obviously such a really good interviewer. Um, but Thank kind you, of bro. fill me in on the backstory there and kind of your story. Yeah. So, I mean, how this show really started was I was just starting to listen to a lot of podcasts. We're recording now, right? Like I can just dive into yeah, the Yeah. Pool. So I just like to jump in. I like okay, to jump cool. in. I like to just have a, a one-on-one convo. 
Yeah, man. Okay, I just want to make sure first. Um, yeah, so I was listening to a bunch of podcasts. I was doing like YouTube vlogs at the time. Um, and I wanted to learn how to grow on social media. And I was trying to figure out, like, should I start a podcast too? And then I was like, well, what if I started a podcast where I could interview successful people on social media and then like apply that to the YouTube channel? So I started the podcast. It was like, I thought I was a genius. I thought I was going to just like, I'm going to interview these like Instagram influencers are going to post my podcast or their story and all their followers are going to come follow me. And I'm going to be like gone in like three weeks. I'll be quitting my job because the show is going to be so big. Obviously not the case. Um, but that was the intent was to kind of just use it as a way to learn how to grow on social media. But then I realized very quickly that like, I think I had more of an, a skill set for podcasting than I did the YouTube. Like I've been doing it for a little while and I was getting no comments about YouTube. No one was saying like, oh, I watched your videos great or all oh, this. Like I was getting no feedback on YouTube. And then I started putting out the podcast and people were actually listening. I started getting like comments on the research, comments on the interview, comments on the stories. I was pulling out of guests, comments on my voice even. And I was like, oh, maybe there's something here. And then I kind of fell in love with podcasting. And so I just kept going with it and didn't stop for four years. I went every week. I was every I was bi-weekly in the beginning. And then at episode seven, I was like, I'll just go weekly. And then I didn't miss an upload or take a break from there. I went straight every single week, full interview and a solo episode every week for four years. Holy shit. I love it. <laughs> I love it, dude. I mean, I, that's, that's, uh, there's a lot to unpack just, just there. And that I'm super curious about because, you know, I just started podcasting. I've learned a lot just off of, you know, um, I think this might be 20 or 21 this episode. Um, and so I'm just, I'm just curious of like, number one, what was the, uh, obviously, you know, the, the, the goal or the intent was just to learn, um, hopefully quit and do the, do, and do it full time. But like, uh, what allowed you to do it for four years? Like that's, that's something that not a lot of people can do. I think it was honestly just a ridiculous amount of hard work. Like sometimes I look back and I think it's like, I don't know how I pulled that off. Like I was working in sports for a while. So I was working in hockey and I was during the playoffs. I was traveling with the team, doing all the social media stuff, editing all the social media stuff. I was like, me, I had like a comms guy who would help me a little bit, but like I was running all the socials and like it was nuts. And so like through traveling with the team, like long days, like 8 a.m. to 1 a.m., like crazy days, a few days in between, I'd get home and then we'd have more games. Like I still was consistent through that. I think it was just through sheer dedication, hard work, honestly, how it kept going. Like, yeah, there was no method to the madness. There was no like hack I was doing to make it possible. Like each episode took me a long ass time. Like I was researching a ton for every podcast. Like there, I, I more so to the end of the show, I like reined in a little bit, but like in the early, like probably first two and a half years, like research for an episode was like six to 10 hours. And like that didn't change at first. Like just the research component took me six to 10 hours plus editing plus social plus doing the interview. Like it was a long process. So There's no like hack for me to do it. It was just a lot of just buckling down and getting the work done and not making excuses as to why I can. And like, as the streak built, there was just more of like, I can't let this streak die. And it was that commitment to the streak that also kept me going. I love that. I mean, there, there's such there, again, uh, there's a lot to unpack there that I want to talk about. Um, but you just brought up something that I'm very curious about, especially with my background and playing hockey all my life. What did that all entail? How did you get into that? Um, like who, what team, what were you doing? Fill me in a little bit more about that. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Yeah, so I was the social, technically my role was technically growth hacker. I did no growth hack things. I was, I was a social media manager, but someone read a book and thought the title sounded cool. So we all had that title. It was an ownership group that had multiple teams. Um, and so I was technically growth hacker, but I was actually a social media manager for the Ottawa 67s and the OHL. Um, and so how I got that job was I did two years, got a marketing diploma. I don't even have a degree still to this day, but I had two years, got a diploma and I was like, going to go back and take a postgraduate in something and like media related. I was like, I could probably teach myself all this stuff, like photography, videography, all those things. And I was like, well, maybe I'll just drop out of this postgrad. And so I did. And then I emailed my program coordinator for marketing. And I was like, hey, like I just dropped out of this postgrad I told you I was going to take. So I'm looking for work now. If you know anybody that's looking for a marketing student that's recently graduated, let me know. And it was the exact same day a program alum had reached out to him. and was like, hey, the Ottawa 67s are looking to hire a recent marketing grad for, for in their marketing department. And so it was through that that I got the job, like through several interviews and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, I managed their social for two years. The second year was... The year, like it was, we, it was, we had like three of us and the first year we all kind of like rotated because there was three teams. And then the second year it was a managed, like a marketing management change. And then it was, each person was siloed and they had a team that they owned and they did all pretty much all of it. Like we'd help each other out, but like I covered every single game except for one because I was traveling like on a vacation, but I did 67 regular season games away. I was just covering remotely, but at all the home games, I was there in person on top of a nine to five. And then when uh, playoffs hit that second year, the car, the GM called my boss and was like, Hey, we want Jacob on the bus with us. And so I got to travel with them. And that, that year they set a record. They won 14 straight games to start the playoffs. So they swept, swept one, two, three. Um, then their goalie got Michael DiPietro got hurt in the, in the, in game two of the final. So they put the back, but it was still a good goalie. Um, but from there they got reverse swept and lost four straight to a very stacked Guelph team that had like Nick Suzuki, uh, Mackenzie Entwistle was on that team. Uh, was it Isaac Ratcliffe, I think? Um, wow. Nick Schnarr. Like, they had a stacked uh, yeah. Marcus Phillips. Like, the team was stacked, a good team on their side, too. So, like, it's not just, like, the goaltending thing. It was, like, a list of factors. But, um, yeah, it was it was an unreal experience. And I, like, and I vlogged it all. So, like, I have a YouTube channel that I still post vlogs to to this day that I don't promote. Like, I literally am uploading vlogs every day this week of, like, my trip to VCon. I don't promote it. I just have it there so I can go back and watch it. So every once in a while, I go back and watch all this stuff I have from those first – from those four rounds of playoffs a couple of years ago. That's so sick. That's so sick. And I'm always, like, interested about that because, like, now now seeing all these teams, I mean, even from, like, leagues from the OHL, WHL, I mean, all just – like, all these other leagues, even in baseball, too, getting a hold of, of social media, I'm always interested on the back end. So what was it – what was like the the day to day or kind of like I don't know like fill me in on like the the recurring tasks like was it filming editing producing researching like all of it for the show or for the for like the Brooklyn Six Sevens uh for yeah for the Six Sevens for Six Sevens so a lot of it was basically it was like a cycle of like promoting the next game 
was really what it was. Like tickets on oh, sale. Okay. This is the weekend's games. Like this is what coming up. There, we had a video team there that would take video stuff, but like in game footage, like they would send us highlights of goals, but everything else, like we were just running gun off a of phone. Like we weren't doing a fancy production or anything like that for playoffs. I brought my DSLR with me and I shot some like decent stuff. Um, cause we didn't have a video guy. So I was like, doing 90% of the, like the content from the road was me. Like I had, again, a comp site helped me a little bit, but he was more so focused on the comp side. Um, but a lot of day to day was just like email marketing. So building out the emails, making mm. sure social content was going. We had Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the time. So making sure content was going out on all those platforms, make sure it's properly sized, working with our, uh, brand managers to, who were kind of like the interface with the agency that we worked with, that we were getting the graphics on time and the graphics are cool. And those were all approved and taking interview. Like it was God. Like, a lot of everything. Sometimes yeah. making, I, I, that's where I really learned Photoshop. And the guy who ran social media for the Red Blacks my first year, his name was Tyler Rabb. He's a really good designer. So he taught me a lot of Photoshop. So I started making a lot of quote graphics in my second year because I enjoy doing that. Um, but yeah, it was just a lot of just like the hamster wheel of like, we got games coming up this week, next weekend. So like, sick. Make sure they get promoted. Then the games are there. Two to three games Thursday through Sunday. So those got to get covered. It was just like a, a hamster wheel, really. Damn. Yeah. I can only imagine. Okay. And so now... So now you're doing this, you're doing the podcast, which I don't know how the hell you're doing it. Um, but you you probably end up what quitting that and continuing to do the podcast, and then and then what? Like or, or fill me in? Yeah, fill me so in the, there. the podcast was never the full thing. The podcast never made enough money for me to take it full time yeah. ever. Um, so after that, I actually started my own marketing agency and did that for just over a year. Um, so I was going to do it as soon as the 67s playoffs ended that second year. And then that guy, Tyler left and they were like, Hey, do you want to do the red blacks? And the red blacks was like the major, it's like the CFL team. It's like the big brand. And so I was like, that might even like, that might help the business in the long run. If I have a national brand, I'd be like, yeah, this is what I've worked with. Like I've done social for this. So I was like, that probably helps me sell. Plus like, I just wanted a shot at doing it. So I was like, I'll delay running this agency until next year or something to do this. So I did that first season. It was like they were in like three and 15 because they played 18 games in the CFL. It was not a fun year. Um, but did that I actually launch a podcast for them when I was there as well called Red Blacks Unfiltered. We launched as the number one football podcast in Canada for like the first week. Um, but then, yeah, and then I started my own agency January or December 31st. I registered it 2019, started it really January. And then I think I got my first client in January, my second in February. Then I left my job which was like in the middle of COVID when I was doing all this and like beginning of June, 2020. And then I did that full time until for just over a year and I was kind of stagnating. I didn't like the agency. It's a business model that I didn't want to keep doing. And I knew that. And so I looked around, my client was called TrueFan at the time. They were launching a new extension. They were going to call Surf. I thought it looked pretty interesting. They wanted to do a bunch of stuff with influencer marketing. I was like, that kind of melds my podcast. And if I could do that as my job. So I called their CEO Swish and I was like, hey man, like you want to do all stuff with influencer marketing. There's nobody right now that can take on that. Let me take that on. I'll join you guys full time as influencer marketing manager. I'll do that. And he was like, hundred percent, let's do it. And so I did that. And then I shut my agency down. I had like one or two clients still, but then jumped over to them full time in September of 2021. And then that brings us to today. I'm still there now. Still doing it. And then you stopped my social life and you started, what's the new one called? So the new one is called the process. It's so we, we shot some episodes in June, but we had some issues with like background noise because of where we were set up. So we're not actually going to release those. Those are more so just like a proof of concept for us to make sure that it worked. 
and it did, and we're very excited about it. So we're going to be doing probably launching later on in the year. Um, it was originally supposed to be launching around this time, which is why I like pushed you asking these flags like a month ago. Um, but we were delaying it just to make sure we get it exactly what we want it to be. We don't want to launch yeah. something we're not hundred percent on. So we're going to shoot more, I think in September, we're going to shoot some more um, and then launch shortly after that. But so the new show is called the process it's by creator now, which is a company that's reimagining you're nodding your head. I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, mm -hmm. It's reimagining film school for the modern age. And so they wanted to do a podcast. I had one of their co-founders Zach Honover on my show in 2019. So and so he messaged me on Instagram. He's like, yo, we want to start a show, but you want to host it. And so that was kind of like, the, the first awesome. domino that fell to me stopping my show and doing all that. So, yeah, that's killer. That's killer, dude. Um, so you get into this, you get into the podcasting, uh, or, uh, the, that podcast, you've been doing podcasting obviously forever. Uh, you started podcasting for, I mean, you started podcasts all over the place. What do you think is like the, the, uh, just, let's just go over some, some core, podcasting like i don't know um like key points that you really think are, are crucial in terms of podcasting in terms of you know longevity value duration i mean like what have you learned if you had to like focus on if you had to restart like what do you what would you focus on like in, in like three to five things i mean it's interesting because i get to restart right now so it's like i'm kind yeah. of in that and i think for me it's understanding like the identity of the show like who are, like what is the person listening getting out of the podcast? That's right. huge. If that's your goal, right? Like if your yeah. goal is just to network. I've debated starting a separate podcast in like the film industry because that's something else I'm interested in. I like write screenplays on the side and like just interviewing people in the film industry, calling it a podcast so that they think it, so that they'll talk to me. So I was like, yo, let me talk to you for half an hour. No one's gonna do that. Um, but if I say, hey, I'm starting this podcast about the film industry, like, can I, can you want to come on and talk for like half an hour? I'll get more yeses just because it's a quote unquote podcast. I would, it wouldn't yeah. edit it. I would literally record it, take the zoom recording, just upload it and call it a podcast. But my goal wouldn't be to get listeners. It would be literally just as a networking tool. So if that's your goal, then it's a different conversation. But if your goal is to like build a media company and do something like that, you obviously need to understand what the person listening is getting out of the show. Like you could have the coolest guests in the world, but if the person listening isn't getting no value, the person listening isn't going to actually is going to keep listening. So you got to understand yeah. what your what value you're providing to your audience. That's the first thing. Um, two, I mean, I I'm big on research, but you don't have to do it that way. I know people who are just naturally curious, and they can sit down and do an interview off the cuff, and it's great because they're just naturally curious. I need to do the research, but it allows me to do the interviews in such a way that has allowed me to get to where I am. Like if I'm not doing the research, I don't think I'm asked by clear now to come and host their show. You know what I mean? Like that's just a part of how I Good do point. it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else you need really. I think a decent mic, like the audio quality is great. Um, the better your audio quality, the better. Um, and I think too, having some form of video component is necessary to grow because yeah. people won't discover you. I mean a, a few, but like no one's going to discover you on Apple podcasts. No one's going to really discover you on Spotify. They'll discover you on TikTok. They'll discover you on Instagram reels on YouTube shorts. And that's what will get them over. So you need some form of video component, which is you don't have an excuse not to now with tools like Riverside or I use Zencaster or zoom, or even just your iPhone. Like I know a guy, Chris Van Vliet, he's a four time Emmy winner. He hosts a show called insight. So he was a, like a four time Emmy winner as a TV host, left that to do his podcast full time and was recording it for a while on just his iPhone. 
And so like you don't crazy. need crazy. Like as long as you have some form of video component, that's yeah. necessary. I don't know if that's three to five, but like I think well, one no, is, that's a yeah, that's yeah. that's that's awesome. That's amazing value. And I think I agree with all those points. Um I think that those are definitely things that I've learned from and um especially with the first one, like, is it a networking tool or is it value? Cause I think mm. if it's value, you have to put a little bit more thought process behind how you're going to structure it, the questions, the research and a lot of things. Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, I think mine is like a mix of both mm-hmm. because it's like, I want a networking tool, right. But it's also, I want to provide value because I know uh, a good amount of this, you know, social media, TikTok thing. And a lot of people that are getting on here do. And so, um, it's, it's about, it's about, you know, talking about that, but also, you know, that net networking tool. Um, and it's like, you know, sometimes I'll go off, off the rift, like no questions prepared. Sometimes I'll have a list of questions prepared. I think it's just a matter of like who the guest is, mm-hmm. how curious I am, how like, cause, cause there are some guests where I'll get on and I'll be like, Oh, you know, I could just visualize this being a dead end if I don't have a list of questions. Mm-hmm. And so, but it, like other ones, I'm like, Oh, I really dig this guy's energy. Like, uh, or this girl's energy. Like I know that I could talk for hours with this mm-hmm. guy or girl. Um, yeah. so I think it's a mix of that. And then you're obviously right with like the video component. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. That's a huge thing. And then I'm even like trying to rotate towards some sort of IRL, um, I think, or, or, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to sustain doing that every episode, but I definitely want to try to incorporate it with mm. people that, you know, might come into Arizona or like, you know, what you did there at VidCon. Like if I go to an event like that, just batch a shit ton of episodes mm. uh, with all those people. So that is definitely something that I want to implement. Um, and I think it's just, it's way better to connect with people and, and, uh, visually more appealing. A hundred percent. That's one thing we're focused on with the new show. That was another part of the appeal was like for me stepping away from my own show to host one. That's not quote unquote my own. Like I don't own it a hundred percent. Like I'm still very much involved, but like one was just the fact that like it takes work off my plate. Cause I don't have to do editing or anything right now. Like, and I was doing the whole process, just me for four years. Like I'd have to do the editing. They have a deeper Rolodex than I could ever imagine. Like, anybody and everybody you know what i mean like there's connections yeah. in the creator world to anybody like through them so i was like there's that plus they want to shoot it in person in la so that's me flying out there every few months to do that so i was like i mean it's tough to top that right so yeah that was part of it and but because we were so focused to your point of doing it in person it just creates a more premium look when it is right right yeah um so so what's the deal with you and tiktok uh i saw that you know you, you haven't been posting for you know, for a little yeah. bit, uh, are you, are you sh- shifting over to another account? Are you doing TikTok for like for them? Like what's, what's been your, your kind of thing with TikTok? Yeah. I mean, I'm doing four TikToks a week for work right now. Cause they liked the, the TikToks I was doing on my own. They're like, can you do some of that for us? And then I also changed from influencer marketing to head of social. So it just made more sense as well with that. Um, I just kind of like, I don't, I didn't like burn out of TikTok, but I was like at a point where I was kind of like, I was I think it was just really busy and it became like the one thing yeah. that like I didn't want to deal with. And so I stopped. And I think part of it is like overthinking of like, I got to get my light out. I got to get my camera and I should become more comfortable just pulling up my phone and doing it and airdropping it to my phone and quickly editing it. Um, but it's just that one thing when I'm just like, I just don't have a ton of energy for it on most days. I think part of it with TikTok for me is like, I enjoy the long form. Like I enjoy 
a long form podcast. I enjoy screenwriting, which takes me a while. I, one of my favorite pieces of content I've ever put out, I released a 90 minute documentary about David Dobrik a couple of years ago. And like, that took me a few months to like, I just enjoy working with a piece for a while and like really shaping it. And my TikToks, I just didn't care about. I'd be like, let me rip this off in like 20 seconds and then just get it out there and like throw it away and like focus. You know what I mean? There was just a cycle of just like yeah. throwing them out there and not caring about them. So I think I need to kind of change my relationship with TikTok is how I like to create as a creator doesn't necessarily lend itself to short form. I think I'm not bad at it, but like I'm not great at it either. But like it was a little bit just like kind of falling in love with the process of making TikToks and just becoming busy with going to LA and having to prep for all that and moving cities and like a bunch of stuff where I was like TikTok was something I just kind of pause for now. Do I come back to it? Maybe. Um, but that's kind of why I've stopped for just a few, a few being busy and not in love with it. Yeah. It makes sense. It seems like you enjoy the process of building the house, but not going and getting the wood <laughs> every single day. You know, yeah. or, I don't know if that's a good analogy, but hopefully I get what you're saying. Though. Yeah. I get what you're yeah. Saying. <laughs> um, which I get, I mean, like I was the total opposite. Like I, I started on YouTube and I'm like, I, I've, I, uh, you know, created like 10, 12 videos. None of them really got any views. Um, and I know you're supposed to create a lot more, but, um, I, I realized that like with every video is trying to like, just find more value to like push it to like a 10 minute mark versus like six minutes or eight minutes. And so it was like, I felt like I was just always trying to, to push it longer. Mm -hmm. Um, that's why I like these podcasts where it's like, it's a combo. You're, you're really not forcing anything. It's just like, you know, they can ask you questions, you ask questions. It's just like a normal conversation to whereas if like a video, I think you have to put more thought, you know, script it out, make sure you're not wasting a single second. Um, you know, obviously you have a good hook in the first, you know, 30 seconds, a minute, minute and a half. And when I transitioned over to TikTok, I was like, oh, holy shit, this is awesome. Like versus I could just name out the bullet points I was talking about in my YouTube videos rather than naming out the bullet points and riffed on it for a minute, two minutes. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it was just like a bad perspective I had on YouTube, but that's just like how, why I loved TikTok and I would just whip through videos. I was like, oh, it took me 20 minutes to produce that and it actually looks pretty good. Um, I was like, I can produce at least, you know, three of these a day. And that's when I made the commitment to post three times a day um, for at least six months straight. Did, did you make that any sort of commitment like that for like podcasting? The closest thing I did to podcasting was I started, I recorded a couple and then I don't know if you know who Andy Cranach is. Um, he was like head of team Gary V for a while. He's now the, I think he's the CEO of the friends is his position. Now so he's been with Gary for a while and he tweeted like, Hey, Twitter, ask me anything. And on the spot, I was like, yo, I made a promise to myself that if I record 15 podcasts, I could book a trip to New York and record interviews. Would you be interested if I like, if I hit 15, would you come on the show if I came to New York? And he was like, yes. So that was the closest thing I had to a commitment, which was probably like three or four episodes in, I committed to at least getting the 15 and then going to New York. Um, that's the closest thing I ever had to commitment with podcasting. And by the time I got that point, especially after that trip, when I had 10 weeks worth of content, I was like, just kept going from there. There's no commitment needed because I was just so committed to the the streak of keeping every weekly. So the closest thing I have is like getting that 15th episode and going to New York, which I did um, with, I think, you know, Hayden Cash and him and I yeah. booked the trip and we went to New York together. Um, That's awesome. And did 10 pods in six days. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I can barely even do one or two per week. Holy hell. That's, that's, that's amazing. And the fact that like he said, yes, uh, just shows like, um, what people like that 
how those how those people like at the the status of of mm-hmm. him, Gary V. I mean, all those people just really just genuinely care about your success and you getting better. Totally. And like that podcast with Andy never actually ended up happening because the dates we ended up getting there, like I think he was traveling or something. So he wasn't even one of those 10. Uh, but we still recorded two at Vayner, one with Brandon Hatcher, who worked at 137, one with Caleb Ralston, who's one of Gary's videographers. And we actually got into Gary's office. Like Gary wasn't there, but we have pictures in his office um, at like 10 That's p.m. Awesome. one night because we're the only people left in the office with Brandon. <laughs> and he was like, you want to want to see if the door's unlocked? And he took us in and took our pictures. Um, but yeah, it's just all because I, t- I asked Andy that one time and the whole trip happened. It's wild. Hayden and I still talk about it. It's been like three, two years, three years since we did that. So jeez, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so what's, what's on the, what's on the future horizon? What, what it, you've been, you're, uh, let's talk about surf influencer marketing manager, right? Or yes. Yeah, so I recently within the last like month got promoted to head of social media. That's awesome. So yeah. like, what is that? What does that entail? Like what is the day to day to that? Um, and, and kind of run me through, run me through that. Yeah. So there's four of us that are current creating, currently creating content. I create my four TikToks a week. We have two interns that each make five videos per week. We have a graphic designer who does four video or four graphics per week. Um, plus I also make a meme every week as well. So that nets out to like, um, what is that? 19 pieces of content. So two, three a day. Um, and I meet with the other three uh, every Monday. And we go through like just touch base. I don't really need to tell them what's great. They know what they're doing. I just check in, make sure they're all good. We figure out how many videos we need to make or how many graphics or what the graphics need to be. And then we're trying to be two weeks ahead with our content. So I'm mapping it all in a content schedule. I built this whole thing in Notion that basically is like a work a board that they work in. So it's like that we all work in. It's like your video ideas, what you're currently creating, if they want to send me content, because they send everything to me for review just so I can like be the last check for review. And then once it's for review, I drag it to scheduled. And, or I can just drag it straight up into our content calendar and it automatically removes it from the board and puts it on the content calendar. Um, so we can work through it. And then when you're done working through it, it gets added to the calendar, automatically takes it off the board, takes that, that thing from the board as well and puts it in a content archive. So everything that's been sent for review is also in an archive. If we ever need to reuse anything, we can pull it. Um, and so I manage that whole thing, that whole workflow. I check in with the two interns. I check in with our designer, make sure they're all good. Um, I also do manage, we have this thing called surf giveaways, which is like a giveaway platform on top of surf surf, like a browser extension, but we also have a giveaway platform. So I manage all our internal giveaways that we do. Like if we do one for our community, I'm putting that up. Um, as long as it's not with one of our brand partners and someone else puts that up, it's like one we're doing hundred percent internally. I'll put that up. I also do surf giveaways, social media. So all the giveaways we have running that are either our own internal or a, with a brand partner or an enterprise, they all send me graphics. I disseminate those over the course of a month. So we do that. We also have surf for brands, which we're only posting like once a month or once a week on right now. So I work with the designer on one graphic week for that. So I make sure that's all published. And then I think that might be, and I still do the influencer stuff, but we've kind of paused that. We're just restarting it again. So um, I'm actually working with the interns. They're both interested in it. So I had them looking for creators. They sent the first couple emails. We're just going to work with one or two this month, just kind of slowly start picking up our influencer work again. Um, but we were doing a lot of, in the beginning, we gave away a Tesla in the first three months. So we were doing a lot of influencer stuff. We had a March Madness giveaway. We worked like 40 Instagram pages in like two weeks. Um, so we've done a lot on the influencer side. That's since slowed down. We're in, we're in like a fundraising round right now. So once that closes, it'll pick back up again. So we're just slowly ramping that back up. So slowly starting to build that back into the workflow. I emailed a couple of creators myself today. So that's a little bit of everything that I do I for Surf, um, plus creating those videos, scripting them out, recording them, getting those up yeah. and everything. So. Yeah, I mean, it's 
shit that you got a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm a, but I'm very interested to see kind of your point of view on like, what are, what are the, the few things that really come to mind? Cause you've been on kind of both sides of like, as a creator and, uh, as like a manager for a brand, what are like a few things that come to mind when it comes to like the difference of how you produce content, uh, for the page for, you know, a brand versus, uh, as a creator. I'm lucky in the fact that they asked me to take my style, how I create for myself and create for them. So there's really no like tweaking how it's literally the same thing. I'm literally just like, I have to bleep out when I swear for the brand side, but that's pretty much the only difference. Like they just kind of let me like be brash and be like, cause that's kind of the tone they want. And I think, so with that tone, what I'm doing with the designer now is cause they like the tone of my videos, what the designer and I are doing because every week I sent him four videos from like the last week or two and he takes the videos I posted and he repurposed them into graphics. So that tone can start to spread through our graphics as well. So it's not just the videos to kind of create a flywheel of like our, our blog will lead me to create a TikTok, which will lead our designer to create a blog post and like an around and around we go, um, to have everything influence everything. So it's all consistent. It's all kind of sounds the same. Um, but in terms of like the difference, I'm lucky where it's really the same. Yeah. I mean, that's, that sounds good. I mean, that, I mean, I would, it's good that they did that and not like limiting your creative ability or, uh, trying to enforce something that you might not be comfortable or, or motivated to do. Mm-hmm. So it's smart on their, their end. Um, but I'm also, I'm also wondering like when, so is it, is it any like pressing the, the brand out there? Like, are you, are, are you selling it? Like what, how does the brand come into play? Like w- w- the content itself, what's the thought process behind that? So there's a few different like pillars we're doing with our content. So basically for surf, just for context, it's a browser extension that rewards you for your browsing data. So the same info, your, the data you're sharing to Google, you also share to surf. It then gets anonymized, but you get points for it. You can redeem for coupons and rewards and things like that. Um, and so it's a few things. So some of it's just like around education around like consumer data and like, Hey, you're giving your data away for free. Hey, big tech's been made $500 billion off of data in 2020. You got $0. Like there's some education components. There's also some just like highlighting our giveaways and our rewards that we have in within surf. It's like, Oh, did you hear about this or this? Um, some of it's also just around, like, it's kind of like an offshoot of the education, but it's also like kind of explaining what surf is as more of a movement than just a company of being like, Hey, we're not just a company. We're also, we're trying to pioneer a movement of like, you being rewarded for your data. No one's done that. People have done that, but like big tech isn't doing that. They should be, if you use surf, it's not just like you're trying to get rewards. You're also making a statement of like, I want to like be rewarded for my data. Big tech needs to take notice. Um, so there's that. There's also just some like general, like not like fluff pieces, but like I do like a Chrome extension series, like Chrome extensions. You need to know where there's like one is one tab, two is surf and three is honey. And, but like surf is always the middle one. Yeah. Um, just some things like that just to get surf out there, but not, it's not all like super push. Like go download it right now. Go download it right now. It's yeah. like, it's more, more awareness, like, more awareness for the most part that will eventually lead them to checking it out. There's some stuff. Like if we get a lot of DMS, like I'll notice of the same question. I'll film a video that answers that DM. If I keep seeing it come up, like it's only Canada, us right now. So we keep getting messages. Like, is it in this country? It's in this country. And it's like, no, it's not Canada, us only join our wait list. So I just filmed a video off that. But like, it's not for awareness. It's more so for the existing followers, but for the most part, a lot of it's awareness. That's so interesting. I mean, you, you've, you've gone through so much when it comes to marketing. 
So I'm curious, what what do you think uh, makes marketing so interesting to you, and why why have you gone and done all these things within marketing from podcasting, social media management for sport teams, uh, you know, done email marketing, Photoshop. I mean, probably so much more uh, than you go into something like this where you're really hammering on TikTok and, you know, influencer marketing for a brand. What do you think is the huge kind of uh, purpose or like mean, why is, why is marketing as a whole so impactful and kind of meaningful for you? I think I'm still trying to figure that out. I think like yeah. I can remember getting accepted into that marketing program when I was like 17. I was at school. I think I, I'm trying to think it might have been. I can't. I remember sitting on the ground when I said this. I don't know why that's like why that sticks to me. But I was like, I remember saying that marketing is basically lying to people without actually lying to them, which is just so untrue. Like I had no idea what marketing fully was when I got accepted. Like I had no idea what I was signing up for. Um, it was just the only thing that accepted me in. And I took some business courses in high school. Like I graduated with a business diploma in high school. Um, and so like, that was part of why I went to school for marketing. Um, but I don't even know. It's honestly just been like one step after another. I don't think I've stopped to fully like take the, the big picture view of why I'm in marketing. Um, what do you but, think marketing is? What do you think marketing is? Now? I think marketing when done properly is, is storytelling. You know what I mean? Like that's why people buy because yeah. you're painting a picture in their head. You know what I mean? Like whether that be like what their life's going to look like or what the product is, but like, it's storytelling at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, and I'm getting, I'm, I'm like, I've gotten that a lot, especially in these last like few months with TikTok. Cause I feel like TikTok really went through this weird phase of like the initial thing was really like dances, like musically type content. Then it kind of shifted into like, you know, more sh short form content, kind of virality content. Then it's like moving into like recurring pieces of content, storytelling, uh, interactive content with like people interviewing on the streets. So I'm, I'm curious to get your take on like, what are some key important like things when it comes to storytelling or how can someone storytell better, so to speak? I think you, I mean, this is how I do it and some people can do it naturally, but I think you need to like map out that story sometimes. Like you can't just get from point A to point B, whatever that is in one shot. You need to have obstacles, you need to have highs and lows, and that's hard to do in like a 30 second TikTok. But like, you need to have that. You need to have people like question whether you're gonna achieve what you're trying to achieve. And then like, it's just, it's standard story structure of like a traditional movie, but can you condense that down to 30 seconds? It's like, there's a lot of rules that exist on how to tell a good story, but there's like a disconnect between like the traditional world and, and the digital world. Like there are things you can pull from both that each can learn from. But I think both are so convinced that they can't learn from each other that they don't. But there's a lot of things you can learn from traditional storytelling that can help you in digital. I interviewed a guy named Michael Haig, who was Will Smith's script consultant. And it's like the most random thing of how I got him. Like I interviewed him because I'm like screenwriting myself, but like I interviewed a guy who I interviewed about sales funnels and we were just talking after the podcast about movies. And he's like, I actually know someone you should talk to. And he interviewed or he recommends this guy to me named Michael Haig. He like, I don't know if they co-wrote a book or he was like a part of the book, but this Michael Haig guy wrote a book about how to use storytelling in your selling. And he interviewed this guy or included him in the book or they co-wrote it. I can't remember the exact connection, but like this guy named Jack Bourne was a part of that book. And so that's how they knew each other because they were talking about traditional storytelling used in sales in a modern way. And it's so like, there are lessons you can pull from the traditional world. I'm kind of all over the place with all of your no, questions yeah. with my answers, but like, I hope that makes sense. What were, what were some of those lessons? Like just off the top of your head that I learned. Yeah. yeah. 
it's interesting because like when I go into that podcast, I'm not thinking like I, cause I did, I went selfish with that one and I went all screenwriting. Got of, it. Of pulling. Cause like that was during, cause that was 2021. So that was when I wrote four screenplays in a year in 2021. So I was like heads down doing that. Um, and so I went fully selfish, nothing sales related, like all screenwriting questions. Yeah. That makes, so that's super interesting. So like, were, were you, uh, was the, what was it for the, the social life, my social life? Yeah. And so, so what, what was the goal of that? Was it networking or was it value? And if it was value, then for a question, I mean, for a, for an episode like that, like what? How do you, what, what you, what's going through your, your I mind? think it was a little, I tried to do a little bit of both. There was like a period in the middle of my social life where I was just like lost in the wilderness and interviewing anybody and everybody, even if they didn't relate to social media. So like I had him on, I had Tom Dreesen who opened for Frank Sinatra. He was a comedian. Um, I had him on, I had the co-founder of Starbucks on the podcast, like nothing to do with social media. But I was like, they seem interesting. Like, just let me interview anyone and anyone. And like, I would try to provide the value. Like, so I interviewed Michael Haig, the script consultant. I'm trying to provide the value for like screenwriters, but like screenwriters don't listen to my show. And so like, it wasn't really providing value to anyone, but like a lot of that too was just, it was also in networking as well. Um, But I tried to convince myself that it made sense for the show because at the time the show was like the stories behind the people on social media. So I was just telling the life stories of different people. Um, And so I told their, their life stories um, on the podcast. So there was, it was like, there was no real, like actual value coming from it. Like there was, if you're a screenwriter, like definitely, but for the audience of the show, there wasn't. Got it. Makes sense. I mean, I even, I guess, I mean, probably it's subconscious or conscious. I probably have those same kind of things where, um, I think it might've been before either the Tom Boyd podcast or the Danny Miranda podcast. Um, but I was just, you know, I was, I was talking to people that, uh, either had a large following or even just had like an interesting kind of, uh, niche or profession that I thought would provide value to my audience. Um, or that I just, you know, wanted to connect with. And then when I sat down with, I think, I think it was Tom Boyd or, and, or Danny. And I got the same thing from, from just this podcast too, is like, when you, when you have a podcast, make sure you're sitting down with people that you're genuinely curious about, mm-hmm. um, and that you genuinely like want to talk to, uh, because then, you know, it'll just make it more exciting and make it give you that more, like give you that push to like find that next person that you're genuinely cur- curious about and like not trying to like force it. Um, because you know, once you end up doing that, then it could, you know, lead to burnout and you quitting. Um, uh, and eventually you'll, you'll, uh, start getting some nose when it comes to chasing whatever it is from millionaires or follower count or view count. So that's very interesting. Um, what's your, what, what's your take? What's your take on that? Do you, do you agree with that? I think so. You definitely have to be interested in who you're interviewing a hundred percent. I think yeah. that's why I think like, I was just kind of like, there was so many times I like danced the line of like, should I stop the show? But I was like, but the streak and I don't know what else I'm going to do. And so I just kind of kept going. And so it's like finding those interesting people, um, to interview. And I think that like, if you're not having fun with what you're doing, then why are you doing it? Like, I don't, yeah. that doesn't mean don't pay attention to the audience. You actually, especially if your goal is to have an audience, you of course have to think about what they want in the podcast, but you also have to enjoy it at the same time. Those things don't have to be independent. 
you it's not either a podcast for you or a podcast for them. It can be a podcast for both. And so make sure you're setting yourself up to have a podcast that you enjoy that also services an audience. Yeah, I mean, such a good point. Um, I want to transition here a little bit. Uh, for On my show, I like to discuss money. I like to normalize the discussion mm. about money. Let's do uh, it. And I like to, to get people's point of views on money, what they do with money, how they visual, like how they view money. Um, and then just kind of going into like how they manage it. So, uh, would love to hear your take on, on money. What, uh, you know, kind of your up ups and flows have been with money throughout your life and kind of just like how you manage it. So originally I was taught to just save, 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 save. And so that's what I did. And then like, as a high schooler, like at the time, I thought I was making decent money. So like I got my first job when I was like 10 as a paper boy and I saved up over a thousand dollars delivering papers, um, as like That's a 12 year old. So I had yeah. money, but I would never spend it. Like I had such a weird relationship with money where it's like, I just wanted that number to go up my bank account, but I didn't want to spend it on anything. Like I remember I bought a $200 Xbox on boxing day and that was a big deal. Um, and so like boxing day also is a Canadian thing where it's like the day after Christmas, everything goes on sales kind of like our black Friday. Um, just for, for the American listeners. Um, but, um, yeah, so I saved, save, 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 save. And then I got a job working as a server. So I was like saving all my money and I was like spending my tips, but I even, I like still, so I'm 24 right now. I started serving at 16. I still have tips in my tip jar because I just wow. don't spend it. Like I don't want, you know what I mean? Like I should just in case, you know what I mean? It's like that yeah. weird wiring where it's like save, 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 like penny pinch, not penny pinch, but like very frugal essentially. Frugal, yeah. Um, and so, but because of that, now granted my dad paid for, my school wasn't like crazy expensive. Like I went to basically the equivalent of community college. My tuition was like 2,200 a semester. Um, Got it. so not a ton, but I paid, yeah. I went through at least the first year, year and a half debt free. And my dad has been saving up for my school since I was born. So he had enough saved up in that, like my education fund for like a semester or two. I'm probably two semesters. So I paid for one year. He paid for the other. Um, so I came out of school debt free. I still had a decent amount of money in my bank account. Um, and then I got to move to sports and sports is overworked and underpaid. That is the adage of sports. I was making $32,000 a year working in sports, which is not a lot of money, especially for the, I remember one time it was like peak 67 season. Like that New York trip I told you about was my break in my, I worked 28 days straight, did that six days, 10 podcasts, came back, went straight back to work. Would have been 36 days in a row had I not taken that trip. Um, but I remember calculating how much money I was making per hour and it was like $7 and 20 cents. It was like crazy. And so I was like, and someone was like, you can't ever do that again. Like don't ever calculate like your hourly here. Like you'll be very sad. And I was like, that's, I, I get that. But so I just kept saving and kept saving, kept saving for what? I don't know. Like I have no idea what I was saving for, but I just kept saving. And then eventually I realized, you know what? Like I need to do something with this. I don't remember if it was pomp or someone said that like Anthony Pompliano, I don't know where I saw this might've been him might've been somewhere else, but it was like, your money's actually losing value every single year with inflation. Like if you save, if you put $10,000 in your bank account, it's going to be worth less in 10 years than it is right now. And I was like, oh shit. And so I had a buddy who did some stuff with like some traditional financial advisors, got really fucked over and then became passionate about financial literacy and education. And so he wrote a book on how to start investing easily for Canadians. And I, I don't know if I had him on my show yet or had him on later, but I called him and I was like, yo, can you teach me how to invest? Cause I have no idea. And he was like, sure. And so he came over to my house. This was like almost two years ago. So I'd invested a thing. He taught me how to invest 
So I started investing my money. I think I was doing like three to $500 a month, I think was the goal. So investing, um, starting a couple of years ago. So I started doing that. And then I started investing in crypto about a year ago. So I put some money in crypto. So I'm still doing 500 a month into um, like just my, in terms of like my investing, it's like just long-term ETF. So I'm in the Canadian market, the American market. Uh, I put some money into a real estate company because it was like during COVID and so it was really down. I might sell that and just put it into the, the long-term ETFs. Um, cause for me, it's just like, I don't need it to compound super quickly. I just money I'm okay to lose is what I put in there. So I put like 500, um, in theory, 500 Canadian every month. And then in crypto, I was doing a thousand for a couple months, but then that just didn't work out. So I ended up doing like, I think I'm down like 500 into crypto and I split it three ways, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Solana is what I'm in right now. Um, I watched a video of me buying Solana. My first crypto was Solana and I recorded a video. It was like this momentous occasion. And I was like, yeah, I'm buying it. It's almost $200 right now. And now it's like 55 and I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck me. Uh. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of what I do. Like I'm basically like a very much like a natural, can you still hear me? My series just popped up. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, but I'm very much a natural like saver. Like that is how I'm wired to just pull my money away and not look at it, not to just let the number of bank account go up. But I realize that that's not the right way to do things. So now I've created a spreadsheet every month that I put in how much money I made the last month. It spits out how much money I had this month. It automatically breaks down into my rent, my housing expenses, um, my subscriptions. So like my Netflix and shit like that. Um, my, what else do I have in there? My investments travel and then other. And so it just automatically wow. splits it all out. And so that's how much I know. I know how much to invest in, um, like invest in crypto. And then I take that 500 and put it into the market. And I'm just taking that as a, as like a negative, a loss in the bank account, because I know that just letting the bank account money sit there, isn't going to do me anything. So I'm slowly like not a ton, but like bleeding down like 500 bucks a month, um, into that. So that's kind of Love what I'm it. doing by no means am I an expert. I'm just trying to like figure it out and, Hey, yeah. you're doing you're doing what most people should be and what most people don't end up doing. Uh, you, you're you're like you'd be you'd even be surprised. Like I'll have the people that I have on here when we get to this stage. A lot of them, uh, you know, some of them end up saying, you know, they like you, you know, they're, they're investing, they're keeping track of it. But a lot of them don't even know what a stock is or you know an ETF index fund is and. They and when when we come to this topic, they usually say, "Yeah, I mean, you you know, you bring up a good point. It's probably something that I need to uh, look more into, or something that I need to get more on top of." But yeah, I mean, this is how I view money, or this and that. Um, but it, it's super interesting. I mean, like even the saving thing. Like, I mean, that's even. I mean, yeah, you're losing money due to in, inflation and um, even compound interest when it's not working for you, but. I mean, I guess it's a better problem to have than spending it. And if you have a spending problem, I, f I feel like that's a lot harder to kind of go against. I mean, uh, kind of fix rather yeah. than, you know, the, the saving issue. And I'm curious to know, like, uh, when your buddy came over and taught you how to invest, what, what was he talking about? Like if you could, I mean, obviously it was probably a long time ago, but like what, if you could remember like some of the things off the top of your head, what were some of those things that he kind of taught you? So he didn't, first off, he didn't tell me what to invest in. Like that was the big Got thing. It. Cause like, he's not like a license or anything. So he couldn't be like, yeah. buy this, this, and this. He just explained to me what an ETF is. He like showed me like how it works. He explained to me what a dividend yield, he just kind of explained it all to me, what a dividend yield is. Uh, he just, he showed me like a compound interest calculator and I was like, oh shit. Like 
that's wild. Um, so he showed me all this stuff. Um, he also wrote a book on it that he sent me for free that I like basically wow. walked me through how to set everything up, how to get my like tax-free savings account set up here. And like, I had a tax-free savings, but, like how much, cause you can only allocate a certain amount every year. And so you, when you're getting stocks, it's coming out of your, at least the way I have it set up, it's coming out of my tax-free savings. And so I'm only allowed like 6,000 a year, um, every year, but that also builds up over time. So I actually have more than that, that I could in theory allocate based on years past. Um, and so he just kind of walked me through everything and showed me how we got my quest trade account set up. He showed me how to buy stocks, exactly what settings to pick like market or something else, like what yeah. like all the things to pick um, and how to do it. And he's like, look, you, he's like, we'll time it. He's like, you did that in under a minute. Like all you need to do is do that every two weeks, every or every 15 days, however you want to do it. And like, just super quick, just set a reminder in your phone and just do it very quickly. His name is Jordan Hiley who taught me how to do this. Um, and, that's what he shot. Tommy, he just kind of taught me like the fundamentals. Like, this is what everything is. You have to like, I don't know. He's like, I can't tell you what to invest in. Um, but this is what everything is. Here's how to do it. Um, and then good man there. Yeah. Good man. I mean, that's such a good way to, because a lot of people will be like, Oh yeah. Like I day trade and I do this and I made money. Like, especially when it was a bull market and everything was going up during like 2020. Um, I mean, you'd get so many of those people and, it's just like, oh, you don't see him now. <laughs> um, and no. you're very, like, very fortunate that you got a hold of someone that, that at least just explained everything to you, especially with like index funds, ETFs, and just like told you, like, look, dude, I'm not going to tell you what to invest into. That's something that you're going to have to look into. And it's going to force you to understand what you're investing into, which I think is super crucial when it comes mm -hmm. to investing, because then people end up don't understanding what they're investing into. They usually just trail they end up you know trailing someone else because they're you know smart or whatever they had future, you know past success and then when the investment fails it comes and bites them in the butt and they're blaming the other person versus them not taking the you know hours of putting in the homework of the particular you know company asset whatever it is yeah so and, and just on that yeah. note too like i'm not investing any money i'm like i can't lose you know what I mean? Like that's yeah, such a one good of point my too. rules. That's why when I have that spreadsheet that calculates everything out, the amount I can invest is after everything else is covered. After I have money to go out and just buy food. Oh, groceries is another category. Interesting. After I pay for my groceries, like it's the money that's left over. That's what goes in. Um, and so I never invest money I can I'm I could lose. And so even if it does go to zero, all my expenses are still paid for. I still have my savings in the bank. Like I lose my job, my, the market crashes and I literally go to zero. I still can cover rent for like a year. So it's like, that's where the saving comes in as a benefit where I can be not aggressive in my, like, I'm not in aggressive stocks, but I'm just investing more than like, I'm thinking like 25% of my monthly income. Um, yeah. That's still really good. And I think it's really good self-awareness that you know that you'll still, you'll still have probably some money left over all those expenses for you to invest. But I think a good strategy for, for some people that are not frugal and that spend a shit ton of money on like careless shit is to invest first. And it could just be like 10% or 20% or whatever it is. So it's yeah. like reverse budgeting. Uh, so that way you at least know that you're putting, you're allocating some money and it might even reduce some of those kind of expenses. Totally. And I don't know if that 25% number is the exact number. Like yeah, also yeah. varies. Like that was probably when I was investing like 10 K a month or not 10 K a thousand dollars a month, I should say. Um, but the other thing too, is that I'm also understanding I'm very fortunate in the fact that like, I have no debt. That's not something yeah, I have that's to worry crucial. about. You know what I mean? Like that's a big component. Like I know people who are paying more to their debt than I am paying to my investments every month. 
you know what I mean? It's like, I just like, I understand I'm fortunate in the fact I went through school. I did two years. My dad covered a year, which I'm super blessed by. And then I was able to pay the full year because I'd saved up so much money working that like, I'm just, I, I understand I'm also in a fortunate position that way. Yeah. Yeah. Such good points. I think that's a really good place to, to end it. Unless you have anything else for me, do you have any questions or anything for me? I don't think so. I mean, I've done the podcast with you already. So yeah. I've asked you a yeah. lot of questions. Yeah. Um, I don't Killer think so, research too. Dang. Yeah, that's what I try to do every time I try yeah. to have, which is interesting. Cause that's why the new show is going to be different. Cause it's a different kind of research. Yeah. Right? Like I, I don't need to know your second grade English teacher's name, right? It's different. I'm like, the, the, this new show is like, it's going to be a whole different approach to the research, which is interesting. Cause like, I felt like I learned a lot more doing the new kind of research than the old kind. So, yeah. I mean, I just remember like, going on your show and you were like, yeah, run me through kind of your story and how this happened and how you were creating on YouTube first. And then one of your brother's buddies told you to get on TikTok. I'm like, oh, this, this man put in work. <laughs> I'm like, no one has really done this. And so I, I, yeah, I uh, respect you for that. It was, it was an experience. It was awesome. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And that's like part of the, like provide value to your audience. Yeah. It's like, those things like you remember and you appreciate yeah. but, like, does that add value to the audience? If I know what your baseball coach was, his name, when you were like, you're eight, you're like your eight year old baseball coach. Probably not like the, you know what I mean? Like True. I had a podcast coach for a little while and he was like, no one cares. Stop doing that. And I was like, yeah. that's why that's like what the show is. Like, that's what people like, you know what I mean? It's like, that was something I always battle with. Um, but yeah, so probably not as much in the new show. I'll find like ways here and there. Um, but I even found it as a good way to build rapport before the mics come on anyways. Like I, we did, yeah. I sat down with ZHC, um, who was like 24 million subscribers. And like, I asked him about like a mentor he had before he did YouTube and we chatted about that like briefly, but like builds just a little bit of rapport before the mics come on. So, um, it still helps, but it won't be like in the interviews as much. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was good before and I'm, I'm sure it's going to be good, uh, this go around too. Um, and so I'm excited to, to see how those come out. Um, where, where can people find you? Where, where, where's the best place to, for people to, to get more of you? Yeah. So, I mean, this, the original show, the OG show is called my social life. There's 200 interviews. There 423 total uploads. So there's a lot of content there, um, for people to consume if they want to check that out. My Instagram, my TikTok is the Jacob Kelly, my Twitter as well. The Jacob Kelly, feel free to come and say hello. My DMS are always open. Uh, but the number one thing I need you to do is to subscribe to the Sticks and Stones podcast. That's the number one thing. Make sure you subscribe here uh, before you come and check out any of my stuff. 100%. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, my man. And everything uh, that Jacob mentioned will be linked in the description down below. Uh, but other than that, thank you guys so much for tuning in and watching. And make sure you, yes, you subscribe to the podcast, but also just share it with one person. I got to you. Let's get it out to one more person. That's all I'm asking is for you to just share it to one person. Thank you. Much appreciated. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed. See you in the next episode. Peace. Let's go.